Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa. Hope you guys are having a great morning, a great day so far. So I want to begin by, well, let me first tell you what the topic of today's show is. The topic of today's show is quadratic equations, and more specifically, the we're going to be talking about real-world applications of quadratic equations. If you haven't heard what they are, it's something that you will you will study in Algebra 1. That's when you're going to first be introduced to quadratic equations. Quadratic equations, it's got a really complex sounding name. They're really not that complicated. It's like one step up from something being like y equals 4x plus 2. So y equals 4x plus 2, that's what's called a linear equation. It just forms a straight line. It's very predictable. It's just for kind of trying to predict super straightforward behavior of things. Quadratic equations are used to, it's, it's sort of like one level up in terms of complexity. And, and it has a lot more real world applications. Actually, well, that's not, I think linear equations have a lot of real world applications. I'd say it has more applications for for situations that are not as straightforward, let's put it that way. So now, and and we, we, we learn about these all the time in Algebra 1, we learn what they are, but I want to talk today about why. What is the point? Why are they so central to Algebra? Why do we continue to use them in calculus and beyond? And what are they what are they used to model? Because when we're talking about math, we're always trying to model, we're always trying to use it to model real world situations so we can make predictions, we can make calculations. You know, it's it's interesting. When we talk about math, I'm just I just taught a, a law preview course where I'm we're helping kids get ready for law school. And I've uh, done like three sessions this summer, and I was just thinking back on it now. It's like why do we study the law? Why do we study what's called precedent, which is opinions from judges that have decided on, so let's say you come to court and you're deciding over a battery case. Somebody had a, a fight, somebody got hit, and they're going to go and, you know, the, the circumstances were it was at a restaurant and there was a fight between a customer and the waiter. The customer was very upset because he felt like the waiter had spilled something on him, an argument broke out. The customer hits the waiter, etc. Okay, so there's very specific facts. So in trying to decide what's going to happen or what should happen, we often look back to other cases and say, well, okay, let's look at other cases where similar facts occurred, similar situation. How did the judge decide? What happened? And we'll, we'll go back and we'll say, all right, well, based on these facts, the judge reasoned this way and decided that. Now, we have something in the legal system, which is we, we have precedents, precedents, we call it stare decisis, and, and it's the idea that we follow the decisions in the past. Why? So there's 
objectivity to the law. So we can, so there's not going to be this crazy chaotic subjectivity. Well, the judge in the past decided this way, but I'm the judge here and that's my nephew that gone to the fight. So I'm not going to chart. We're going to do it a different way. It doesn't work like that. We have everybody in it, it anyway, su- supposedly we're meant to follow what's happened in the past so that we can make predictions about what will happen in the future. We can use that to guide our actions. We can say, hey, if we've if this has happened in the past, you know, I probably shouldn't hit anybody because we can tell that that's usually going to be a, uh, grounds for battery. I'm going to get in trouble, either have to pay restitution or may have to go to prison. And so there's big consequences. So you, you know what to do. You can you can use that to guide your behavior. Now, math is actually in a lot of ways. It's a similar has a similar function. It's, it has predictive abilities. We can say that, well, we can look at things in the past, maybe gather some data, use that to build or develop an equation, or maybe even model an equation based on the, all these data points, and then use that as a predictor of what will happen if the same type of thing happens again. So now we know what's probably going to happen, and we can adjust and shift accordingly or use different things uh, for particular purposes once we know how things are going are gonna to behave. So it's kind of interesting. You have a lot of, I mean, this is why we do things, so we can have a better understanding of our world. So now let's talk about quadratic equations. You know, one of the, one of the, the, the really the impetus to make this particular episode, I'll tell you, is I just wrote a song called Qua, uh, Quadratic Formula, and it's all about the quadratic formula. It's a fun way to, to memorize the, exact you know, to memorize all the terms in that. And I recorded it, and then we, we were actually just shooting the, the music video yesterday with two of my students who volunteered to help me out with it. It was super fun, Nick and uh, Elise Charbonneau. So they're going to be in that. That video should be coming out in one to two weeks. I'm just waiting for some things. Got the, the track has to get mixed and mastered. But it should be coming out soon. So I was we were chatting about it, and they're actually in one's going to – Nick's going to be in seventh grade. Elise is going to be in fifth grade. So they actually haven't used – the quadratic formula yet, but they will. And so I was trying to explain to them what what the purpose of it is. What is a quadratic equation? And I thought, well, what a great time to do a show on this particular topic, but moreover, talk about the applications. So let me start with the definition. What's a quadratic equation? A quadratic equation is an equation, or we could say a quadratic function. It's Let's let's talk about from the function standpoint. We have y equals, let's say, 2x plus 7. That is not a quadratic equation. That's not a quadratic function. Okay, so, and, and why is that? Because when we are looking at a function and saying, hey, is this quadratic or not? We look at the x's, but in particular, we look at the exponent of the x's. Now, the 1x in the equation that I just stated it's just an x, no exponent. Therefore, it can't be a quadratic equation. What we need is we need something in there that is x squared, x to the second power. So for example, if I change it now, if I said y equals 3x squared plus x plus 2, okay, now that's my equation. We have an x squared in there. Now we have what's called a quadratic equation. That's all there is to it. But let me modify it one more time. Now let's say we have y equals x cubed, that's x to the third power, plus 2x squared plus x plus 7. All right. 
hey, guess what? We still have an x squared in our equation, but we have an x cubed. So there's another condition. It ha the x squared has to be the highest that has to be the highest exponent in the entire function. If we go up to, if we have also an x cubed or an x to the fourth or an x to the fifth alongside our x squared, no longer qualifies as a quadratic function. So that's this this is how we at least define it. Now, what does a quadratic function look like? A quadratic function looks like a okay, so all quadratic functions look like a parabola. That's the shape of the graph. What is a parabola? It's an, another weird sounding word. I think we have these complex sounding words that scare a lot of people away from this topic and think, oh my God, this is overwhelming. This is so complex. And it's just like a U. That's all a parabola is. It's a U and it can either go up like, you know, sort of like an, a U or it could be a U flipped over. So it's kind of uh, the, the, you know, the pieces are going down. And that's all it is. That's what a parabola is. Now, it's very important to understand the shape because it's gonna come into play here when I talk about the applications. So just remember, uh, you can think about it as a U, you can think about it as an arc. So if you've seen the, the Arc de Triomphe in Paris or there's the, the big arc in St. Louis, it's gonna be that type of a shape. That's like, a, th those are like upside down U's that kind of going downwards. Now let's talk about some really cool applications. I'm pulling this stuff, by the way, from a really cool we uh, article on a website called monterreyinstitute.org. So these three examples, we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna post the link because I really want you to take a look at the actual article itself because it's got some great visuals and, and hopefully you can understand it. It might be seem a bit tough to read through it on your own if you're not if you're not familiar with quadratic equations or functions. So this is gonna be great because Hopefully you can go back and you can supplement your understanding of this article with the podcast episode and hopefully get a grip on it even if you're unfamiliar with quadratic functions. Okay. So first of all, let me let me read this little introduction. Quadratic functions are more than algebraic curiosities. They are widely used in science, business and engineering. The U-shape of a parabola can describe the trajectories of water jets in a fountain and a bouncing ball or be incorporated into structures like the parabolic reflectors that form the base of satellite dishes and car headlights. Quadratic functions help forecast business, profit, and loss, plot the course of moving objects, and assist in determining minimum and maximum values. So this is all stuff that we're going to talk about shortly. But... You can already see with trajectories, right? We can have, you know, th this has a lot of, in, in a way, it has a lot of actually military and ballistic applications. So let's talk about it. So here we go. We're going to jump into the, to the first example, and this is modeling trajectories. A very common and easy to understand application of, of a quadratic function is the trajectory followed by objects thrown upward at an angle. In these cases, the parabola represents the path of the ball. <clears throat> if we plot the distance on the x-axis and height on the y-axis, okay, so again, the, the horizontal piece is going to be the distance traveled, like if you're going down a football field, how many yards have you gone? And the y is going to be the height. So it's very similar, you know, it looks visually just like what we kind of imagine in real life. Um the distance of the throw will be the x value 
when y is zero. So what, basically when the height of the ball is zero, that means if the height is zero, it's hit the ground. So that's what we're talking about. It's going to follow this trajectory where y is going to climb, 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 then it's going to fall, 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 fall until it hits zero. Boom. That's when you know we're now back and it's, it's actually hit the ground. That's at the point where you know, hey, this is how far this ball or whatever it is you're shooting has actually traveled. Now, what you're going to be doing is when you're going to use this quadratic equation to model the trajectory, and you can model it now based on how hard you're throwing it. You can put constants in there that are going to really mirror and represent your throwing speed, your the wind speed, all these, whatever, all these different things, how far, you know, because you're not throwing it at ground level. You're throwing it at a particular height. So let's say maybe you're throwing, if you're five feet tall, you're throwing it at five feet. That's going to be the constant that you're going to add at the end. Hey, this isn't starting at zero. This is starting at five feet. You're putting all this stuff in. And then now, once you have a really nice modeled equation, you put in all these constants to get all these different little pieces in, like the, the speed and strength and all that stuff. Then you solve that quadratic function. And solving a quadratic function, what you're usually doing is you're trying to find those zeros, meaning you're trying to find the point at which y, y is going to be zero, where the, where, or another way to put it, where this function is going to hit the x-axis. Because guess what? Your x-axis, again, is the ground, where it's going to hit the ground. And by using a quadratic equation to represent the trajectory, now we have an algebraic way, an amazing algebraic way to actually predict where a ball is going to land or where a missile is gonna land, or whatever whatever object you may be modeling. Now, that's really cool, and that has a lot of importance because another way to solve this in a, very, in a much more scientific, empirical way is we could literally just toss the ball a bunch of times over, 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 and then use that data, say, okay, it looks like we're gonna probably land around here with this person, with this height, all this stuff. You could do that. And that's probably fine, but now let's pretend we're trying to make predictions about uh, a, a million-dollar ballistic missile. Let's say, whatever, $100,000 ballistic missile. I don't know how much they cost, but now you want to do the same thing. You Maybe you can do a couple tests, but if you want to do 100 tests and actually predict where this missile is going, that's expensive. And moreover, it's dangerous. Now you got to launch 100 missiles, see where they go, who knows what's going to happen. This is where math can come in and actually try and solve a problem that logistically is not feasible or is very, it's, it's cost prohibitive to try and, and make this happen. That's the power of math. Now let's talk about a business application. So the article mentioned how do we, you know, we can use it to maximize profits. Well, how does that work? This gets a little nitty-gritty as far as trying to explain this. I'm going to try and do my best to explain it in broad terms because I, I really do need a visual surface to, to show this thoroughly. But the idea is this. We have a basic equation. If you, when, if you look at economics, all right, so basically what happens is you usually have an inverse relationship between units sold and price. What do I mean by inverse? What I mean is, as we drop the price normally of most goods, this isn't always true, but this is by and large true. You drop the price of most goods, the number of units you're going to sell is going to go up. Case in point, 
we have a guitar. It's an amazing guitar. And we priced it at $10,000 because that's how much it costs to make it. Let's just say. Well, $10,000, that's a fair price. But most people can't afford to pay $10,000 for a guitar. And most people don't want to pay $10,000 for a guitar. But there's going to be a few guys that really value it at 10000 Professional musicians, they're going to buy it. But that's it. But we want to sell more units. Now pretend we've made a bunch of these and they're just sitting around collecting dust because nobody's buying them. And we want to sell more. Well, fine. We're just going to have to drop the price. Let's drop it down to 2000 Huge price drop. Now we get a lot more people who are like, you know what? 10000 was too expensive, but 2000 I can do. 2000 though, is still really expensive for most people. So still we'll sell maybe some more, but still a lot will be there. Now let's drop it all the way down to 100 bucks. Now imagine, $100, that's actually cheap for a guitar, but now we're taking a $10,000 guitar, selling it for $100, people are going to come in droves to purchase this guitar, guitar is going to be sold out in no time, boom, it's gone. So you see, we have as the price goes down, the number of units sold goes up. All right, so now we take that, now that's a very linear equation. What you're going to do when you're using, a, how do we get to from a linear to a quadratic in a profit question? Well, now we take, it's, this is almost a system of equations, all right? So what we do is we have that equation, with quantity sold and the price of our good. And we say, okay, but now we got another equation where we have our profits equals our, the, you know, the revenue minus our cost. Okay, when we have these two different equations, all I will say is, because it's hard for me to explain this without the visuals again, by using substitution, by taking your first equation, the relationship between the price and the quantity sold, substituting it into our second equation for profit, you will get a quadratic function. If you want to know why or how, check out this article and it will show you. If it doesn't make sense, email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. And I'll figure out a way to explain it to you. Now you get your quadratic. Now guess what? When you talk about profit, what do we care about? Do we care about at when it's at the lowest point? No. We care about when profit is maximized. So if we now have a if we now have a quadratic function, again a parabola, it's gonna be again an upside down U. There's gonna be a point where it's you're gonna have the highest point, right? At a, at the top of an arc. That's the high point. It's called the maximum. We want to find that maximum because at that maximum, that's going to tell us that's going to tell us the price point at which we want to select to give us that maximum profitability, where we're going to have the highest profitability based on the cost and based on how many units we're selling and all this stuff. That's what we're trying to find. So we now have this parabola, and there's ways to find the maximum of a parabola, uh, you, you know, you can actually find, I, I don't want to go into the details here either, but we could, you know, one way is you can find, you can find maximums by using calculus, okay, um, but, because there's specific ways where you can find where, hey, where the slope is going positive, then all of a sudden negative, in between there, we got our maximum, and, or it could be a minimum too, but that's usually when it's going negative to positive. We've got a maximum, and guess what? We have just found our perfect point for profitability, for price point. 
boom. Now it has, so you see those incredible business applications, very, very powerful business applications. We're going to talk about one more example, and this is the this is kind of a um, simpler example, you could say, it's for making a quilt. And I love this example. I think it's really cool. Pretend that you have a quilt that you've made that is four feet by five feet. Now also pretend you have 10 square feet of material left over and you want to put a border around this quilt. But you want to put the thickest border possible that's all uniform, okay? But you want to put the thickest border possible. And the question is, what? how thick can you make it? Like, that's a hard problem. Four feet by five feet. I mean, you could do it by trial and error, cutting it up and like sizing it and viewing it. But that's a really tough problem. Instead, if we can turn this into an equation, boom, we can solve for that X value. We can solve for the thickness or the, you know, the width of the border and we're done. We don't have to make any guesses. This is, again, sort of a visual problem. I'm going to do my best to try and explain it, but I really want you, if you're curious about it, to check out this article. So what we do is we got a 4 by 5 quilt. Now we know that this, this border is going to be uniform. We'll call it X, okay, the width or the, you know, the thickness of this border. So what's going on here? How can we make this into an equation? Well, the only thing that we know is we know that the total area of this remaining amount of quilt is 10, 10 square inches or 10 square feet, sorry. So let's create an equation to represent this in terms of, you know, this 10 square feet in terms of the border. And remember, the border, we wanted to maximize it. We wanted to add up to 10 feet. So let's think, for example, if the thickness is going to be X, we can calculate the thickness in terms of X. So what's going to happen is, first of all, you're going to have four little squares on the outside of this border that are going to have dimensions of X by X. Now, again, look at the visual representation so you can see exactly what I mean. But if we know that, then we can say those four little cutout squares, at the, those are going to be like at the corners. Those are all going to be X squared, X squared, X squared, X squared. So now we know that the those the area of those pieces is just going to be 4x squared. Then we also have the pieces you know along the 5 foot length part that's going to be 5 feet but with a thickness of x. Okay? Cuz again the border is going to be along the 5 feet part. This is within fitting within the little squares, 5 feet by x. And we have two of those on both of the 5 feet sides. So now we got 5x, 10x for the area. And then we got the other ones across the four feet side. So when you got 4x and 4x, that's 8x plus the 10x gives you 18x. Now we have 4x squared plus 18x, because this is the total area, equals 10. That's our quadratic equation. That's our quadratic. So now you see, guess what? We have x squared, we have an x. And that's it. The highest degree is 2 is the quadratic equation. Now we can solve. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, once again, we're trying to find what values for x are going to give us that 10 value. Now, there's a way to solve quadratic equations. There's a couple different ways. You can use the quadratic function. Uh, I'm sorry, the quadratic formula. You can also factor. Uh, there's different. Now, I don't want to go into detail about these 
particular methods or ways in which to solve quadratic equations. This is, again, more about applications. But once we get it to this point, it's a piece of cake. We apply, let's say you want to apply the quadratic formula. You plug these values into the specific formula. It's like it's negative B plus or minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC over 2A. Sounds like overwhelming. It's really not that bad. And that's what the purpose of my song is for, is to help you memorize like negative B plus or minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. So you have like a funny way, to, a fun way to remember it. And then you plug it into these values. What A, B, and C are, it's the numbers in front of these different terms. And there you go. Now you have your value for X and you can make your quote. So I hope that was illuminating. I hope that was interesting. But this is what we'd use math actually for to solve real world problems. That's the point of it. That's what is there for, not just for an exercise in creativity. It is interesting though too, even if you don't intend to actually use this stuff yourself personally, like let's say you want to be a fiction writer. Bill Davidson, he's sort of the Singapore math guru. He did make a point at a seminar I recently attended about the function of math and education. And one of those functions, major functions, is to develop reasoning and logic and cognitive abilities. It's amazing practice for just basic problem solving. And I think that's absolutely true and really important to keep in mind that this is great mental exercise at the at its core. It's just amazing. It's it's just amazing for your mental agility. So remember that. Keep that in mind. And but hopefully this gives you an anchor as far as why are we learning this? Well, this is why. This is what it enables us to do as a society. So thank you guys so much for joining. Again, this article will be found in the show notes. You can check out the show notes at www.scalarlearning.com. If you have any questions or comments for me, email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. Would love to hear from you as always. And remember, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so. We got new episodes coming out every day this summer. A lot of good stuff coming up. We're even going to be talking to a representative from Alex, which is a company that makes amazing software for all sorts of schools, kids in all levels to practice and work on their math skills and everything, pre-calc down to, down to basic math fluency, multiplication, addition, all that stuff. So make sure to check back for that. And that's it. So I hope you enjoyed it. See you guys next time. Take it easy. Learning, give me that skill of learning. Give me that skill of learning.